Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Thank you again for reading um, the scripture passage for today. That came from Luke 11, 19 through 30, and that comes from the NIV version of the Bible. And I'm actually going to be dealing with the entirety of Luke 11, um, but I wanted to hone in on 19 uh, verses 19 through 30. But I've entitled this week's sermon, Jerusalem and Antioch, Jerusalem and Antioch. And this is our series on the book of Acts, and this is a loving scripture series from Renew. We as humans are communal creatures. We gather, we connect, we eat together, we fellowship, we have friends, we do common activities, and we also tend to tribalize. We gather into our tribes for safety, for commonality, for protection, um, and in communities, we develop norms, rules, boundaries um, that help us define uh, the lines, the identity of the community, and, to, and this helps to ensure safety and order and peace within the community. Like all of our cities or counties or towns follow laws and rules, and that's for safety and protection. Otherwise, how can we live in community if there aren't rules like I does? But also social communities like church, uh, a band of friends, hobbies, uh, Facebook groups, whatever. Um, there are rules um, and norms and boundaries in order to create a space of safety and belonging and keep order and peace in the community. Um, and we are not necessarily aware I think oftentimes if we're in a community and inside a community, we're not necessarily aware of the distinct identity and culture of our community um, as we're immersed in it. But however, someone on the outside looking in can see those boundary lines, can see those boundary lines and can experience the unique ethos of the culture. Someone outside of a community, say, call it a church, coming in who's new to the church, doesn't know the inside language, doesn't know 
who's in charge or who the leaders are or how the leadership works, doesn't know the flavor, the culture, what people like to do, what are people's political leanings, how people dress, etc., etc. Um, that an outsider would definitely feel and be able to say, this is the unique character, this is the unique culture of this church. These, this ethos and culture contributes to a sense of outsideness. And if the people on the inside of the community don't recognize or don't have a radical sense of invitation, inclusiveness, and hospitality, um, that outsideness people is really hard to overcome and say, oh, I, I feel a part of this. I feel at home in this. And at Renew, we always have a catchphrase where we say, welcome home. We wanna, we wanna value this inclusiveness. We wanna value inviting people. We wanna value, we value radical hospitality in order for people when they come in to feel at home. Like we are a family and when you come here, you are gonna feel the hope is, the prayer is, that you're gonna feel like you're coming home. You're coming home to God, you're coming home to God's people, you're coming home to family. But as a community of faith, as the people of God, a question that I have, an attention that exists in scripture, an attention that exists in every Christian uh, community, uh, Christian church, is how do you maintain holiness? And by holiness, I, I mean being set apart, being different, being God's people being righteous and faithful, that distinctness of following Jesus, being disciples of Jesus, how you maintain holiness while at the same time embodying radical openness, radical inclusion, radical, radical invitation, being radically missional, missional meaning a church, the church is sensitive to and on God's mission. Um, to spread the gospel, to make disciples of the world. Set apart, yet called to enter in. Isn't that the tension you always hear? Set apart, but entering in to the world. Not of the world, you may have heard it said. Not of the world, but in the world. That's the constant tension. Or community, building community, versus doing outreach and ministry, doing evangelism. Either... We're building a tight community, a fellowship within the church, among the believers in the members of the church, or we're stretching out and we're doing evangelism and outreach. We can't do this. If we do this, then we, then we sacrifice this. If we sacrifice this, or if we do this, then we sacrifice doing that. And that's a dichotomy that's uh, actually not necessary. It doesn't necessarily have to be. And it shouldn't be, and that's not what we see in Scripture. So when we hit the top of chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it reads, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Let's do a little review from the previous chapter, chapter 10. If you remember, Peter was in Joppa, but 
men from Cornelius and Caesarea were sent to bring him to Caesarea to meet Cornelius, who had just had a dream um, from an angel to come invite Peter. Then Peter has this dream. And what, what he dreams is, if you remember, the sheet comes down and all these animals on the sheet, including unclean animals, according to Jewish dietary laws, unclean, unkosher, if you will, and a voice from heaven saying, kill and eat, kill and eat three times. What God has made, what, what has been unclean, God has made clean. And so, if you remember from last week, Peter travels to Cornelius' home and witnesses um, to Cornelius' household who are then baptized in the Holy Spirit and then Peter baptizes them all and he makes the really pivotal statement of, now I see that God shows no favoritism. And, and we witness a large household of Gentiles converting into the faith. And so now people hear about this. People back in Judea and back in the church in Jerusalem hear that, oh my God, Gentiles have been baptized by the Holy Spirit and are coming to the faith. So Peter has to go up to Jerusalem to explain things, right? And it says that the circumcised believers, so by that we mean the Jewish, Jewish, Jewish believers, criticized them. He got heat. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? It's like, oh my gosh, you went into the bars, right? And drank beer with people and told them about Jesus? Oh, you, you went to a frat party in college? You went to, you were in a fraternity in college and you, you witnessed to people? Well, aren't they like bad people that party all the time and drink and do drugs all the time and fight all the time? You did that? Oh, you hung out with those bikers? You made a biker church, right? Of motorcycle riders? Right? Aren't they like, you know, dangerous, violent people who wear leather and ride their Harleys? Oh. How could you do that? You hung out with those people? You went into that place? You ministered to the people of the street and hung out with them? And that's, that's what the Jewish people are um, in Jerusalem are criticizing Peter for, and he's taking the seat. The church actually becomes a strong entity, especially in Jerusalem. And it has its culture, like we talked about. It's a community with its culture and its boundary lines. And those boundary lines were still strongly tied to Judaism and the, the ethnicity of Jew, Jewishness, what it meant to be a Jew and follow the law and the prophets and the dietary commands and the traditions, Sabbath, all of the temple rules and what is clean and unclean, what you can, can eat and not eat. It was still tied to ethnicity. And the way that Jews felt about Gentiles or Samaritans even, the half-breed Samaritans, like we don't associate, we don't even visit 
them in their house. We don't associate with uncirc the uncircumcised. That was so very a strong force, a highly nationalistic ethnic force. We don't know anything about that, right? In America, in our culture, a strong ethnic force. And what Peter is running into as he's had this vision and dream is an obstacle. Like, this is not, these ethnic forces aren't easy to break. And I'm going to come against heat. And Peter is going to come, is feeling the heat for um, hanging out with Gentiles, for communing with Gentiles, for baptizing Gentiles without saying, oh, first you need to become Jewish. And this is this, this sense of this idea of table fellowship, who you fellowship with, who you eat with, is going to be a conflict and a tension in Acts. Uh, we'll see later in chapter 15. And actually in Galatians 2, if you want to do some more homework, in Galatians 2, uh, Paul talks about uh, actually a conflict, an argument he has with Peter. Right? They had a falling out. Him and Paul and Peter had a falling out because even after this, Peter, even though Peter had this vision, like he was eating with Gentiles because God said, kill and eat, be open. These people are clean now. God shows no favoritism, right? When he would go to Antioch, he would, he would sit at the tables, right, um, and eat with the Gentiles, and they made good food. They had great potlucks, right? They had some, like, pork, right, pork ribs at the table, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, I never had pork ribs. I'm going to have me some pork ribs, right? And then what Paul relays in Galatians is James and other leaders from the Jerusalem come church when they came and visited all of a sudden peter who was hanging out and eating pork was like oh he got self-conscious and so he started sitting with the jews again only the jews and paul's like what's up what's up you you're selling out you're throwing us under the butt but i thought you were hanging with us gent hanging with the gentiles what's up with that and so even peter feels the pressure of what it means to be in the insider's community. But what the Holy Spirit is doing is it's trying to go to the ends of the earth, right? And it's pushing out to the Gentiles. And soon the ministry of Peter is going to fade away, right? We're going straight to Paul and we're gonna, the Acts is going to focus on Paul and the ministry to the Gentiles. And breaking these boundary lines, breaking the tribalism, breaking, right? Pressing up against the boundaries. Because in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, all people are children, are sons and daughters of God, the Father. And the message, the good news of Jesus Christ is not just for insiders, right? But it's for everyone. Everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone is made in the image of God. Luke 15, 1 through 2, this is how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law criticized Jesus, right? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering to hear Jesus. Jesus, in the same way, in 
would hang out with sinners, would hang out with people considered bad, unclean, evil, sinful, in the eyes of the religious authorities, in the eyes of the Pharisees and the legal people. And he was eating with them, he was hanging out with them, he was doing community and fellowship with them. And uh, the Pharisees and the law, and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they despised Jesus for it. And Jesus's response is actually to tell three stories, two short stories and a long story. And that's where we get the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, right? An example of a man who loses a sheep, an example of a woman who loses a coin, and then the longer parable of the lost son, which um, a lot of us know as the story of the prodigal son. But those three stories have a similar theme or the same theme. And that theme is what was lost is now found. One, that's one theme. The second theme in those three stories is how much the Father, how much God values the one lost, the one on the outside, right? The one who needs to come back home, the one lost sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 for the one. The one, the one lost coin, like the woman night and day sweeps everything, cleans the house to find that coin. And um, in the prodigal son, the father welcomes back a son who rejected him, who disrespected him, welcomes back the younger son. And, and, and the refrain in those three parables, in those three stories is, that which was lost, celebrate, because that which was lost is now found, right? In the kingdom of God, the lost are found. In the kingdom of God, here we see in Acts 10 and 11, that which is unclean is made clean, amen? And these two things have the same, is the same idea. In God's kingdom, the lost are found and the unclean is made clean. The lost are found and the unclean is made clean. What was outside is brought home inside. What was outside is brought home inside. And the, the mission of God's church, of God's community, is not to maintain those boundary lines, strict boundary lines, and never move out and never let people come in, but it's to be a community that's radically inclusive, radically invitational, radically hospitable. To bring in the lost, to bring in the unclean, to bring in the rejected, the lonely, the ostracized. Jesus said to the disciples, go to the highways and byways. My party, my banquet room is going to be filled up. I have food at my table. And if the normal people, the insiders, aren't going to eat with me, then go out there and bring people who will eat the food that I have for them. Bring them in, because what I am about is a big, giant banquet table, is a big, giant party, and that's for everyone, amen?
Don't get this wrong. God's heart is with the lost outside of the community. God's heart is with the isolated, the ostracized, the unclean. To be unclean is to be outside the people of God in the eyes of the Jewish people. But what was unclean, God has declared clean. Back to our scripture. Um, so in the first half of Luke chapter 11, Peter relays, re-relays the story of his vision on the rooftop with the sheep. Right? He tells them the vision that God gave him. Tells them the story. And basically, we don't have to go through this because it's a replay of chapter 10. Um, but afterwards, the people are, it says, they're convinced. And what they do then is that they get Barnabas. And if we remember earlier during Saul, after Saul's conversion, all the church were afraid of Saul, right? They wouldn't let, um, you know, they're afraid of Saul because he was a persecutor of the church. So remember, Barnabas is the person that comes with Saul to the leaders of Jerusalem and says, this guy's okay. He vouches for Paul. Um, and Paul was being persecuted. So we, we haven't heard from Paul for a, a couple of chapters because remember, he, he was persecuted by uh, the Christians and he was sent to Tarsus. They sent him away to Tarsus to just chill there. But in our, the section that we read in the second part of Luke chapter 11, um, Luke reminds us of the people that were scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen uh, was killed and how um, the word was traveling to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. But this word was only spreading to the diaspora, meaning among the Jews, right? The, the Jewish people in the outer places. But some of them, in verse 20 says, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, right? Not just uh, Hellenist Jews or you know Samaritan Jews that were um, living in, in the outskirts, but also to like pure Greeks, pure Gentiles, and telling them the good news. And this is how a church begins in Antioch. And news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas, which name, uh, whose name is son of, uh, son of encouragement, um, seems to be the person, the ambassador, right? The diplomat that goes and like vouches for Paul, goes to Antioch, the outer outskirts, that crazy church up in Antioch, right? Like that's doing crazy progressive liberal things, right? Gentiles are becoming Christians and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it says when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a, num a great number of people were brought to the Lord. See, when we don't experience, when we approach the other, but we don't have relationship with the other, we make judgments about who they are, what they're like, 
and we have fear, right? We fear the unknown. And so when we don't have relationship with a person or a group of people or those people over there, we're scared. And so we make all kinds of prejudice, you know, prejudgments. We make all kinds of assumptions about what they're like, what they're thinking, how they think about us. But when Barnabas goes, right, this is a strange, like the Jerusalem church sends them because they, they need to make sure this is legit. They need to be, they're kind of worried, right? He saw what the grace of God had done. And it says he was glad and encouraged. That fear subsided because he built relationship with them. He saw what the Holy Spirit, God is at work here. The Holy Spirit is moving here. And because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, right? He could see that and recognize that. And he, pre he continued to teach and preach to them. And a great number of people brought to the Lord. But Barnabas doesn't stop there. He's not just, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to say hi and then like leave them and say, stamp, put my stamp on it. He's like, the spirit is moving here. We, people need discipleship. People need teaching. This needs to continue to grow as a church, right? So Barnabas has an idea. Remember Saul? Remember that guy? He's perfect for this. He's perfect. He's just the type of person to build bridges. He's just the type of person to be an apostle to this Gentile church. So Barnabas goes to Tarsus to look for Saul and recruits him and brings him back to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met in this church and taught great numbers of people. And they did discipleship and teaching and preaching. Can you imagine Barnabas and Paul like for a year, every week, every day, just teaching, teaching, mentoring, mentoring. Right? Wow, what powerful people at this church. And Luke mentions that it was at Antioch, the church at Antioch, where the disciples were first called Christians. Right? Little Christ, right? Little uh, the messiahs, messiahists, if you will. And then it ends, uh, Luke 11 ends with uh, uh, random prophets would come from Jerusalem <laughs> to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So actually, okay, so I've entitled this sermon, Jerusalem and Antioch. And in my head, in my mind, I see Jerusalem as the conservative church and Antioch as the progressive church, right? The, the liberal church where Gentiles are becoming Christians and they're eating pork at their potlucks. It's like, what the heck is going on? And it, it kind of like for the church in Jerusalem, they're kind of, oh my gosh, this is, this is getting out of control. This is, those people are singing those worship songs. They're eating pork and they're doing bar ministry. They're doing crazy things out there. No, we can't go send Barnabas. And Antioch is like, oh man, 
man, people are becoming Christians left and right. Like, man, the Holy Spirit is really moving. We love, we dig this Jesus guy. And now Barnabas and Paul are teaching amazing teachings that people left and right are gathering and they're drawn to the gospel and these amazing teachers and prophets from Jerusalem are coming. There's going to be a famine, right? And we see that another summary, right? In this Antioch community, people are beginning to be generous like the Acts 2, like in Acts 2. And they're giving because they hear of the need. But this time the need is in Jerusalem because a famine does come, a major famine. So this church, this mission church, this literal crazy church on the outskirts of Gentiles, right? Like those people that we've converted over there actually are the ones to turn. They've, they become disciples and they bless the Jerusalem church. They give resources. They send through Paul and Barnabas money and resources to the true church in Jerusalem who are suffering, are poor because of famine. So Jerusalem, the original church, is being blessed by this church on the outs outskirts of Gentiles. Amazing. Amazing. Amen. In the kingdom of God, the lost are found, and the clean, unclean is made clean. And in the story of the prodigal son, we see that the older son is lost as well, because when the father throws a party, um, the older son refuses to go into the celebration for the young son, and is outside feeling bitter, right? I've been here this whole time. I've been faithful this whole time. I'm a Jewish Christian. I followed all the laws and the rules since my youth. And now these new people are here and all the rules are out the door. They can eat pork. They can do whatever they want, right? Rather than the father comes out and says, come in. You've always been with me. Celebrate. Are you so closed off that you can't see that the good news is going out to everyone? And you can't even celebrate because good things are happening? Your brother has returned home. He was lost, but now he's found. And this is exactly what's happening in Acts right now. The Holy Spirit is moving to new places. New people, the boundaries of the church are being expanded and the people who you wouldn't even imagine would come to the faith are becoming baptized and following Jesus Christ and even becoming disciples who are generous and giving back to the church. Celebrate! Celebrate because the lost and are found and the unclean are made clean. And my message to us, church, and my challenge as we go from this place is to celebrate, right? Don't be so uptight, but celebrate when God does a new work, even if it stretches your assumptions of who God is or what the community of faith should look like. God is going to turn our assumptions and our perspectives and our prejudices 
upside down as he does new things. Are you ready for that ride? Amen? Are you ready? He's going to turn that upside down. And to those of you out there who are still searching, to those of you who feel uh, far from God or far from the church, maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you grew up in the church and uh, you haven't been to church in a long time, but you just wanted to check out this, this streaming worship. God loves you. And God wants you home with him. Come back home. Come back home. He has a heart for you. There's no place that you've been, no thing that you've done that is too far or too bad for God to find you, embrace you, and take you in again. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you that um, in you, your heart is for the lost to come back home. That no one is unclean in your eyes. No one is too dirty. No one is too messed up, too jacked up for you. So help us all to be, be move closer to who you are. Um, you are the center. And that holds us as a family, as a community together. You are the center, Christ. May our eyes focus on you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.